Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Dan Baer's interview with the writer and director for The Blue Captain, Mariam Tuzani. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the next Best Picture podcast. We are talking with Mariam Tuzani, the director of the new film, The Blue Kaftan. Mariam, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Danielle. This film is really beautiful story of a, a, a dressmaker or a malam in uh, Morocco and is his wife who is sick who runs the shop where he uh, makes his where he plies his craft so to speak where did this story come from the story uh, came from a lot of places, but the, the inspiration for Halim uh, came from a man that I had met when I was uh, when I was scouting for my previous film. Uh, there's a man that I met in the Medina of Casablanca, and through which, uh, by which, uh, by whom I was very touched because I felt there were a lot of things about his life uh, that he was obliged to hide. And I went back and saw him uh, quite a lot of times, and. Uh, um, he reminded me of men that I had uh, that I had heard of, seen uh, in my youth, uh, but you know, stories that had never been completely completely talked about because it was a, it was something sensitive. It was a, somehow a taboo uh, in my society, you know. In any case, and so I, you know. I was very touched by this man and I found myself many months later after I had already finished shooting my first film thinking of him uh, because I realized how violent it must have been for him every day to wake up and go out and try to pretend to be somebody he was not uh, because he had no choice of, of, of doing of doing it otherwise because he was obliged to. And uh, and so, yeah, so that haunted me for, for a while. And then one day I found myself naturally uh, writing because uh, there was this, you know, story that I felt I just really needed to tell. And this story, did it just like come right out of you or did it take a long time to really get it and make it feel right? 
No, this story just came out of me. I didn't even know what characters were going to be in the story. I knew why Halim was there at the beginning. Uh, I knew why this man was in the film because there was this man that I just spoke about that triggered, uh, the, you know, the desire to talk about him. But I, I mean, I found myself later thinking about his wife uh, and what you know what she felt also as 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 a woman. Uh, you know how 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 hard it must be for her as well. Uh, also to 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 feel that the you know that there was i mean that there's something very complex actually in relationships and we have the habit of simplifying things and this is a very complex relationship and i wanted to talk about love in this relationship because halim and mina are a couple that deeply love one another and the arrival of this young man is going to challenge certain things but is also going to teach them essential things uh, about uh, you know all the years they've spent together and you know, uh, make them transcend somehow, uh, make me in any case transcend her own fears uh, and her own apprehensions in order to 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 make the man she loves uh, happy uh, after she leaves. So, uh, yeah, I, I forgot the beginning of the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, you you've an, you answered it beautifully. <laughs> I, 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 in any case, I wrote spontaneously, and it's true that I didn't think of where the story was taking me. I just knew that these two characters were there. Yusuf arrived into the story in my in my imagination, and I just had the feeling that they were taking me places, and that I was accompanying them. You know, I knew that I wanted to tell a very intimate story, uh, and I wanted to be with these three characters and just to discover them. In, in an intimate manner and to be with them uh, and, uh, and just accompany them. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I think one of the, the really beautiful things about this movie is how the characters evolve naturally throughout the film and the way in which they evolve. It's like just when we think we can pin them down and get to know them, they do something to surprise us. Is that something that you kind of specifically wanted to explore in this? Or is that like part of your philosophy of how we are as humans? Or did it just happen while you were writing? I mean, I, honestly, when I write things, um, I don't I don't have a, a, a rational way of uh, a rational reflection as I write. I have uh, when I write, I just really let myself get carried by my emotion and get like taken uh um and by by my characters and by by the way i feel that they want to tell their story and for me i mean i it's true that while i'm writing i'm completely uh completely um under i don't know how, how i can say it i'm I have a feeling that i'm living with my with my characters day in day out you know and that i just explore these things at the same time as them so it's it's a very intense experience writing is a very intense experience for me very beautiful very intense as well and i never know necessarily where they're going to lead me but like i was saying before i knew from the start that i wanted to search for the intimacy in in, in this relationship and there were things that i wanted to talk about uh, through these characters, uh, and I wanted to explore uh, all this with them. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. 
That's very beautiful. Um, you said that this, you know, you sort of wrote it and it just came and came out to you. There's a lot in this film. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it was in the screenplay. Maybe it wasn't. But about the the process of making these kaftans and the sort of about the art of the malam. While you were writing, did you speak with any malams or yes? Yes. <laughs> no, no, this was definitely in the screenplay. My desire from the very start was to also use this kaftan in order to speak about the characters. I mean, we start off with a with a with a piece of blue fabric that little by little is going to get worked and become this, you know, a beautiful kaftan that Halim makes at the end. And for me, it was also a way of telling the story and of uh, helping us discover the intricacy and and the complexity of the relationship between these characters. And I wanted the kaftan to rhythm be be there to make a to rhythm, to be at the rhythm of the film as the film evolved, as the characters evolved, as the relationships evolved, to accompany the evolution of these three characters towards the end. So yes, this was written from the very beginning. The desire was there from the very beginning. And for me, I mean, the kaftan and the way it is fabricated, and you know, all all the all the passion that Halim puts into making it. You know, through every stitch, I have the feeling that I wanted to know, to get to know Halim better, to get a little bit closer to his soul, to to. To know, um, to know, um, you know, the complexity of this man, the complexity of these three characters, actually, because for me, uh, you know, it's true that we have the habit of simplifying things, but I think human relations are so complex, as complex as this kaftan that's being made, you know, uh, when you see it from the outside, uh, and it's one thing, but when you get close enough, and you look at at it, and you realize that every single thread has been worked in a certain manner, that it takes months and months of investment to actually make this, you know, of hours spent. Um, you know, it's it's really bad about, about complexity and detail uh, for me. And that's what I wanted to also show through this 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 kaftan. So yes, it was there from the very from the very start, and I wanted to explore that as well. And do you find, I mean, the, there's this sort of tension in the shop um you know because the customers come in and they they want you know something made by a dressmaker but when they find out how much it costs or how long it's going to take they're suddenly I'll, I'll get one from the store where they sell them on mass is that something that you have that you've seen in Morocco or wherever else you've been that they this sort of the value of artisans mm -hmm. is not what it used to be. Absolutely, absolutely. And you asked me before if I had spent time with Malims. I forgot to answer you about that. And yes, I spent a lot of time, a lot of time with Malims. I am very, very touched uh, by the fact that that this kind of uh, of uh, of art is disappearing. And it's disappearing because today I have the feeling that we live in a world where everything is going too fast, where we're used to consuming and moving on to what's next, uh, where we don't give uh, these things the value that they used to have. Uh, and for me, I mean, I inherited from uh, my mother of a 50-year-old kaftan, and that's what led me to write this kaftan in this film. I only found out later the reason, because it was just there, you know? But I mean, the, the emotional tie between me and this and this beautiful kaftan that my mother gave me was so strong that it made me realize how beautiful transmission was and how how valuable such an item was because of, you know, all, all the experience uh, that she had uh, lived while, while wearing it, but also, you know, the man behind it, you know, all the hours spent, you know, it's just, it's just something to be treasured 
treasure that's so valuable in my eyes. And I, and today we have the feeling that we we just want to accumulate things that are that are can be completely devoid of uh, of meaning, you know. And I I mean that's something that 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 hurts me deeply. I'm a and maybe I'm a romantic, I'm a nostalgic, but in any case, I wanted to shed the light on this. And I spent a lot of time with Madlims that some of them told me with tears in their eyes that today they no longer have apprentices that for like the last 10, 15 years, they don't find anybody that wants to learn the trade. And there are in fact, so many, so many embroideries that are disappearing that do not exist anymore because nobody knows how to make them. In the film, there is one kaftan that I talk about where, I mean, these buttons don't exist. Nobody knows how to make them. The last of these madlings has died. And I mean, that breaks my heart. Really, I mean, this is a tradition that for me um, has to be has to be protected because it's it's beautiful. It's part for me as a Moroccan. I feel it's part of my culture. I want to be able to, you know, to I think, you know, it has to be respected. It has to be valued in the same manner that there are traditions that have to be shaken, that have to be questioned. Uh, and I think that's what's important as well, To You know, that I wanted to do that as well. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about this particular kaftan, the, the titular kaftan in this. Was there a particular reason why you wanted it to be blue? Mm. I, I mean, I, like, like, like I was saying before, I never think, I just write. I just write and my writing is just emotional. Uh, the kaftan I grew up seeing my mother wearing was black. And mm. I mean... I I was, you know, the day I actually wore that kaftan, like I said, it was like a huge, a huge moment for me. When I wrote this film, uh, when I wrote the script, the kaftan was blue. And <laughs> I didn't understand why it was blue. But I think afterwards that, I mean, the kaftan was blue because of the strength of what the, you know, the immensity of the blue. And I mean... This, the, I mean, it might sound a little bit cheesy, but I mean, all the, the spaces that escape us are blue. The ocean is blue. The sky is blue. There is this thing about immensity, about freedom in the color blue uh, that touches me, I think. Uh, it, and, and it's not even something that I had uh, verbalized before. It's not something that I had uh, intellectualized. You know, it's just something emotional. And it's afterwards that I understand why it was blue. And I think it's because of freedom. And for me, this film is about freedom. It is really about the freedom to love, you know, who you want to love, how you want to love them, wherever it is that you live in the world. So I think, yeah, for me, it resonates with freedom for sure. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's beautiful. And before we wrap up, I have to talk about these performances that all three of them are fantastic but particularly uh Dubna Azabal's her physical transformation in this part is remarkable as she you know we watch her deteriorate from this cancer and it was something that went through my mind how much of this is makeup and how much was that just her body that is Lubna that is Lubna. wow wow yes. 
That is Lubna. I mean, when I did write the script, of course, I wanted there, there to be a physical evolution uh, because, I mean, in the shots that I had, I wanted to. I mean, I I I I used uh, visually. I wanted to 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 focus a lot of Lubna on Lubna's back and also on her mm. spinal cord and also what it represents. You know, this 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 woman's back, her her spine. You know, all the things that that we are. You know, that that it symbolizes. And I wanted to to little by little uh, see her weakening also visually uh so so Lubna followed the diet with a dietitian on the set uh to lose to lose weight but she took the experience even further because she wanted to feel death in her own flesh basically she wanted to be tired on the set she wanted to feel that it was hard for her as it would be that hard for me now um when I shoot my films generally I try to respect the chronological uh, order uh, in the shooting uh, because for me I think that is it, it's very important emotionally to respect the chronology for the actors so as much as I can I try to respect that chronology and I did this uh, with the, the blue kaftan as well in order to respect Lubna's evolution both psychological and physical in the film and yes, I mean this is this is Lubna, and, and uh, she she was absolutely absolutely incredible in her quest for truth uh, to to talk about this dying woman uh, as she 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 discovers you know you know the strength as well as well and and the love you know that she is capable of and all she's capable of doing out of love in a country once again where I mean it's very difficult because being gay is illegal and she's encouraging her husband to be with another man because she loves him and because she wants him to be proud of who he is and to 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 um to accept himself and to love himself I think that's the one of the things that I was left with with this film was that all these different forms of love that and how it can take between different people in different stages and in different ways that it's not always physical that it is sometimes it transcends and love that we have can move and evolve over time into different ways and i think that was really beautiful and we're out of time so thank you very much <laughs> for sharing all that with us and for uh, sharing this film with us thank you thank you Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Dan Baer's interview with the writer and director for the film The Blue Captain, Mariam Tuzani, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. The Blue Captain has been chosen to represent Morocco at this year's Academy Awards for Best International Feature Film. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Hey there. hey there, I'm Hannah and I'm Audrey. 
We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.